Let's have another word of prayer, please. Our joy and delight to have your word read before us and for us to be reminded once again of the truths of what it has to say. It's been great for us to sing these songs. The one of them was really new. How powerful it was, and we'll see that even better, I pray, when we're done with the message today. But now we come to your word, and we know that this is the thing that has the power to change lives. And so we dare not open it and expose ourselves to it, Father, without asking you, would you please change lives today? Change my life. Change the lives of those who hear, whether it is those who are here in the auditorium or those who may be hearing a recording of this, Father. We ask your blessing upon it all for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 4 as we continue working our way through this book of the Old Testament. Many of you know that I struggle with short-term memory issues. Now granted, some of that is just because I'm getting older. That's the way that happens. Part, quite frankly, due on my brain, a young adult, yes, I do have x-ray proof that I have. Let's see yours. No, we won't go down the road. There are moments of my life, however, that I can remember quite vividly. I remember the day I got saved, December the 7th, 1973. I remember my first kiss with my girlfriend who would eventually become my wife. She's blushing up here in the front row now. I remember my high school graduation, my first marriage, my college graduation, the births of my children. I remember sitting across from the doctor and learning that I had a brain tumor, which was a surgery that I mentioned before. I remember watching my house burn down. I remember lying on a hospital bed and being told that my back was broken. I remember moving to Indiana and then to pastor this church. And I still vividly remember being in the ambulance and watching my father take his last breath. These are the things that I hope I will remember for the rest of my life. We all have our memories, don't we? Some of them are great. Others are not so great. But I think there's something that's important for us to understand about the concept of our memories, why you need to work on your memories. Our memories tell the story of how we became who we are today. Think back of the memories of your life and those highs and lows that you remember. Are those the things that have created you to be the way you are today? Remembering is an essential part of Christian discipleship. We remember the sacrifice of Christ. Every time we celebrate communion, every time someone is baptized in our baptistry, we are, we are reminded of what Jesus Christ did, the sacrifice that he paid to pay for our sins when there was absolutely no way for us to pay for our own sins except to experience an eternal hell. We remember and celebrate births and anniversaries and other noteworthy events in our personal histories. These memories are kind of like the signposts of the passage of time. They provide us with opportunities to reflect and to 
reassess, and sometimes because of a memory that we have, we, we understand the need for us to make an adjustment in our lives, to readjust something. Today we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 4, and we're going to see how the nation of Israel created a memorial to a miraculous event in their lives. Look with me, verses 1 through 3. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. And the people of Israel did exactly what Joshua told to do. But it's not until verses 6 and 7 that we learn the reason why 12 stones were pulled from the middle of the Jordan and were erected. The nation didn't know this yet. God tells us to Joshua first. Joshua is later going to tell it to the whole nation. But God tells Joshua in verses 6 and 7 that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Twelve stones pulled out of the middle of the Jordan River, carried to the place where they were going to be camping that night, set up on the edge of the Jordan River. But that something really special happens because find out in verse 9, Joshua builds his own memorial. Look at verse 9. Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. So while one man from each tribe picked up one stone, Joshua went out and found 12 of, the, of his own stones, and he set them up in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Now, I will tell you this, they aren't there to this day, (laughs) but they were there to the day when this book was written. Joshua set up a memorial, and evidently he did it in such a way that when that wall of water that had piled up 17 miles away at Adam, and God finally pulls the plug and that water comes rushing down, evidently those stones were put up in a way they stood up against the flood that hit them, and they existed to this day. And all of this was done so that there would be a lasting testimony to the miraculous work of the Lord God. So that people in the future would understand something significant happened right here sometime in the past. And if we see the promise that God made to Joshua coming true, look at verse 14. On that day, the exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. Remember, he said he would do that. He said, I'm going to exalt and and the people are going to know that I'm with you just as I am with Moses. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. (coughs) Excuse me. And they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. This event, Joshua leading people on the crossing of the Jordan River, instructing the people who had the priests who held the Ark of the Covenant, as soon as your feet enter the water, the water is going to part, and we're going to walk across on high ground, and we're going to set up these memorials. All of these events cemented 
Joshua's leadership in the minds of the people of Israel. If there was any doubt that God was going to be with Joshua like he was with Moses, oh, what did Moses do? God parted the Red Sea for him. Moses led them through the wilderness. Moses strikes a rock and out comes water in the middle of the wilderness. So if there's any doubt in the minds of the people of Israel that Joshua might not be the leader Moses was right now, this settles it once and for all. And it's exactly what happened in the minds of the people. The priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant came up out of the Jordan River. The river rushed back to its flood stage. And now Joshua speaks to the people, repeating to them what God had already told him earlier. Look down with me at verses 21 through 24. And he, Joshua, said to the people, what your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the rivers of the water water of Jordan for, for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Remember the spies went in Rahab's house, and Rahab tells them, we've heard what your God did for you at the Red Sea, and our hearts are melting within us. Well, if they were melting because of the Red Sea, they now had a fresh, a newer, a closer demonstration that same God is with this nation. And He's not a God to be trifled with because He can part the waters of the Jordan at first stage. And so Joshua, under the instruction of God, tells the people of Israel, set up a memorial. Because when your children ask you in the future, and you know they will. Children ask lots of questions, don't they? Sometimes, don't they just drive you nuts? All the kids are gone, right? Okay. Um, Children just pepper us with questions. Why, 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 right? What does this mean? Why is this important? What's happened here? You know, it, they just love questions. But I have to share with you, somehow, despite all the answers that we give them, they have trouble learning some of the most important things. Here's a concern that I have, and I'm just speaking personally here for myself. Here's a concern that I have about the up-and-coming generation of young people. Our kids know more trivia about celebrities than they do about the men and women who sacrificed everything to secure our freedoms today. And that concerns me. They, they know exactly what dress this person wore on the red carpet, and they know exactly how many points this person scored in basketball. And I know that I'm not alone in this concern. I want to share with you some, some quotes from people that you will admire and some that you won't. And I'll start with one you probably Karl Marx said this. Take away a people's roots and they can easily be moved. And we're seeing it happen in our midst today. Thomas Jefferson said, A nation has never been ignorant and free. That has never been, never will be. We can never be free if we choose to be ignorant to how we got 
where we are today. James Madison observed this, the diffusion of knowledge is the only guardian of true liberty. It is universally admitted that a well-instructed people alone can be a permanently free people. And this is my concern, ladies and gentlemen, is that we have a generation of kids coming up who know every sports statistic and every movie statistic, every video game, all the tricks and the hacks for all the video games that exist. Do they understand how we got here? Do they understand the faith that you have that you are trying to pass on to them? Without a continuing reminder, people soon forget their history. Without a fresh reminder of a people's history and the truths on which a nation was founded, succeeding generations will forget who they are and why they do the things that they do. If you know a little bit about the history of the nation of Israel, you know what's going to happen to them. They're going to get into this promised land. God gave it to them. God said, drive all the people out. And so they come marching in, and they're going to learn the next time. They're going to march around Jericho, and they're going to knock the city down, and the people are going to be scared to death of them. And they're going to march into the promised land, and they're going to possess it. But what are they going to do? They're going to allow some of the people to stay. And those people who stay are going to slowly but surely pollute them and corrupt them and weaken them, and ultimately destroy them. The memorial that Joshua did in the middle of the Jordan River, the memorial that the 12 men, one from each tribe, erected on the side of the river, didn't stop it. It may have been something that slowed it down a little bit, but it didn't stop the inevitable drift into corruption that the nation of Israel went through. And you know what? That just means we need more memorials. We need them all over the place. We need people reminding a young generation, do you know why you have a public school that you go to? Do you know why we have a holiday in the middle of the summer? Do you know why we have a Memorial Day and why we have a Veterans Day? Memorial Day to remember those who died to give us our freedoms and a veteran's day to honor those who are still alive because they granted us the privileges that we have today. And I know I'm sounding political, but it proves the point I'm trying to make here, folks. We have to be able to erect those memorials in our lives about what God has done. Here's the principle for us to learn today. We're to bear strong testimony of faith to our faith. If we have a genuine faith in God, then God has worked in our hearts and lives. We know what it is to trust God, to have faith in His power and the way He can help us experience the conquering power of Christ, overcoming trials and overcoming temptations and getting us through obstacles and problems by faith in Christ we have conquered passions of the flesh and the lust for the bright lights that the world shows us, the indulgences and the, and the stimulating pleasures of the world. We've overcome that only by God's power, not because of our own. God gives us the power to become more than conquerors because we have placed faith in Him. His power works in us to conquer in our lives. Faith brings 
the power of God into our lives. Faith causes the power of God to work in us and to work through us. Faith conquers and triumphs over all things. This is the witness of faith. Faith in God works because it's focused on God, not on ourselves. And we live in a world and we live in a society that is telling our kids, you can be whatever you want to be. It's a lie. They can't be whatever they want to be. They can only be what God gives them the power to be. And we need to get the message through to our kids. When a person's faith focuses on God, God honors that person. God does for the person what the person believes so that the person bases his belief on the Word of God. We're to bear strong witness to our faith in God. We know that, don't we? We're supposed to be strong witnesses for God. We're supposed to be stimulating people to trust God, to have faith in Him. Your memories, especially memories about what God has done in your life, are what make up your testimony. And I'm going to spend the rest of the time that I have here this morning to talk about our testimonies. I'm going to make five points about your testimony. Think through in your life, what has God done for you? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, He saved you, and that's the greatest thing. But has His Word encouraged you to keep on going in difficult times? Have you looked into the face of Jesus and found a reason to live beyond the problems that this world has to offer? Have you been able to be encouraged by other Christians to keep your faith and to keep moving forward and not let the trials of this world bog you down to the place where you can't be successful in your Christian life. All of those are things God has done for you. And all of those things are the things that make up your testimony that we have to be able to pass on to the next generation. And in in fact, there's a lot of people in our generation that need to hear those things as well. So let me just share with you five important things about your testimony. Why you need to work on your memories. Number one, testimony is valuable. Your personal testimony holds great value in the kingdom of God. And you may be saying, oh, come on, Pastor Larry, that could be true. I'm a nobody. Maybe, maybe you just recently came to know Jesus as your Savior and you think, I'm just a young Christian. What can my testimony possibly do? Maybe you've known Jesus Christ for decades in your life and you think, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a missionary. What difference could my testimony make? Let me share with you what difference your testimony may make. Here's why your testimony is valuable. It's because you tell your testimony to someone else, your kids, your grandkids, your co-workers, your neighbor. It makes you a threat to the enemy. And it is often the tool that God uses to set captives free. That's why your testimony is valuable. 
That's why we need to set up these little memorials in our lives, times when God does something for us. For me, the time when I sat across the desk from that doctor and he said, here's your brain tumor, and the bottom fell out of my life. The time when I was lying in that hospital bed and the doctor leaned over me and said, Mr. Starrett, your back is broken, and he walked out of the room. The time I sat in my car on January 15th in the middle of a horrible winter storm. The headlights focused on my house so that the fire department could see it as it was burning. Those are the moments when God does things in our lives. And we don't appreciate them at the time. I guarantee you, when the doctor told me he had a brain tumor, I didn't look over at my wife and say, oh, praise the Lord. I looked over at my wife and she had tears coming down her face. And the only reason I didn't is because I was holding them back. But those are the moments that God does in our lives where he teaches us things that we cannot learn any other way. And what a blessing it is to pass on lessons to our kids and our grandkids. They don't have to learn them the hard way the way we did, right? What we, nothing better could be asked than that we take our kids and say, hey, let me tell you, this is something that I faced at one time in my life. And here's what our God did for me. And it is a tool that, first of all, makes the enemy mad. It, you are a threat to the enemy. And it is often the tool that God uses to set captives free. Don't underestimate the impact of your story. Do you know your testimony? Have you ever written it down? Do your friends and your family know your testimony? If you're part of our biblical training, you're going to be meeting together tonight. You know, been working on testimony, right? If you need some help figuring it out, go see Wayne. He's got a whole form that tells you, here's how to write a good testimony. It's a great thing to be able to do. But your testimony, no matter what you have gone through, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are in the faith, no matter if you, you have had a life that has been blessed with ease and comfort or whether your life has been fraught with difficulties and problems, your testimony is valuable. Secondly, and this kind of goes with the first one, don't hide your testimony. Many believers are, fr are afraid to share their testimony due to fear or shame. Quite frankly, sometimes we're embarrassed about our past. We don't like dredging up the memories of what our past lives were like. Sometimes we really don't think our testimony can be effective. A good testimony will include what we were before God saved us. None of us ever looked very good before God got a hold of us, right? None of us could say, man, I was a great person until God got a hold of my life. We know that's not true. The devil knows the power of your testimony, and he wants nothing more than for you to keep your mouth shut. Don't tell other people what God has done in your life. Don't pass that on to your kids. Let them find out on their own. They need to explore on their own. They need to figure things out for themselves, and that's one of the worst things we could ever leave our kids Open your mouth and declare the faithfulness of our God. Thirdly, your testimony brings life. 
Your testimony has the power to bring life and hope and joy and peace and restoration and deliverance to other people. By sharing your testimony, I'm an instrument of God's power in the life of another person, especially a person who is struggling. I remember a time when I was a kid and our church decided we were going to all go out for this overnight camp, camp overnight at this, at this campgrounds. And so we did that. We had a lot of fun. I was a little kid and I loved going around and playing with my friends from the church. We had a great time all that, that whole day. But the evening time came and we sat around a fireplace. A, a, a campfire. And people were talking and everything. And then my best friend's dad, Jack Wilcox, stood up. And he shared his testimony with everybody at that church. And I remember as a kid being shocked. Jack Wilcox was a great man. He was a good guy. You can't tell me he used to drink and smoke and be immoral. But he shared his testimony, including, here's how God changed my life. And I can't help but think that to this day, his testimony and the testimony of so many others that I heard are part of the reason why I owe my heart to God in giving him my life and salvation. Your testimony brings life. Your testimony makes a difference. Your personal victory is not meant to only benefit yourself. Let me say that one again, okay? Praise God for when we go through a, tr a struggle, when we go through a trial or a difficulty, and God brings us out on the other side of that difficulty, and we have learned, and we have grown, and we have benefited, and we can look back on it now like I can with the things that happened in my life, and I can say, thank you, God, for bringing me through all that. That is not for your benefit alone. The victories God wins in your life are never meant to just be treasured and kept to ourselves. They're there designed for us to share them. We never know but what there may be somebody else listening there could be a coworker gathered around the water cooler where you work or whatever happens in the lunchroom, whatever, break room. And here overhears you sharing your testimony with somebody else who comes to the understanding that's exactly what I need in my life. And your testimony makes a difference. By sharing your testimony, you encourage others to keep going. You encourage others to consider trusting God, and you get to see them through you experience their own breakthroughs of faith in their lives. And that's why God wants us to erect these stones of memory in our lives. And number five, you need to thank God for your testimony. I don't know what happened in your life before you were a believer in Jesus Christ. Maybe you were involved in horrible sin. Maybe you lived a life that was dedicated to debauchery and wantonness. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you lived a pretty good moral life before God got a hold of your life. But I know this. The instant 
you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your only hope of salvation, your life was instantly changed. Thank God. It's why we have the memorials that we have around here. We need to express gratitude. We need to share our testimonies. We need to acknowledge the miracle that God is still here and God is still at work in people's lives today. Without God's intervention, I would have perished. Without God doing a work of grace in my life, I'd be destined for an eternity in hell. Praise God for what He did in my life. In the Old Testament, we all know the story of David and Goliath. Goliath intimidated the entire army of Israel. None of them had the nerve, had the guts to go out and face the, 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 the giant in battle until a little shepherd boy named David comes along can't wear the king's armor. He can't carry the king's sword. So he goes out to faith a, a giant with nothing but a slingshot and five smooth stones. The giant taunts him and the giant mocks him. The giant scoffs at him. But in the end, the giant is face down in the dirt because God miraculously guided that stone to make an impression on that giant. But as Paul Harvey used to say, here's the rest of the story. David walked up to that giant and took that giant's very sword, the very implement that giant flashed around and put fear into the heart of every Israel soldier. And David used the giant's own sword to separate the head of the giant from the rest of his body. And that sword became a memorial for the nation of Israel. We learn in 1 Samuel 21 that sword was a sacred national possession. Let me tell you, just as David used Goliath's sword to defeat him, your testimony is an enemy, is a weapon against your enemy. Embrace your testimony. Use it to bring hope and healing and deliverance to other people. Remember that God is working in the midst of your trials. He's going to bring into your life for good. And He's going to leave you to the point where finally you can lift your voice in praise and say, thank God for what He has done in my life. And now I dare not keep it to myself. There's another generation coming up that needs to hear what kind of God we serve. There's another generation coming. And there are people who live hopeless all around us who need to be reminded that there is still a God who acts on behalf of people who put their faith in Him still today. Tonight is the Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs will face the San Francisco 49ers. I don't personally have a dog in a fight. I'll watch it mostly for the commercials just like you. I'm not trying to root for any team or influence you to go for any team, but I came across a couple of videos I want to share. Both of those teams, the 49ers and the Chiefs, have strong believers as quarterbacks. Listen to this. Living to a, 
you know, be set apart. You know, it's, it's easy to, yes, repent of your sins and um, be about Jesus, but, you know, to know, Hey, I can't keep doing this sin. You know, I've, I've acknowledged it. I got to move on, but um, to be on fire for the Lord and to walk with him, I think right now, man, I'm all about, Hey, I'm living set apart from the world. People can think this about me or whatever. That's fine. The bottom line is for me, my identity is in Jesus. I get that. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to roll with that, but it's not, Hey, I'm better than you. No, it's, I'm called to do this. I'm called to witness. I'm called to share the word. I have this knowledge, you know, um, of the spirit and I want to give it to as many people as I can. So yeah, that's, I think what God has taught me in the past year, um, I'd say I'm continuing to grow in that. And, um, man, I just want to, I just want to be able to witness and defend the Christian faith as best as I can moving forward. So Brock Purdy, the quarterback of San Francisco 49ers. When the Chiefs won the game that enabled them to be in the Super Bowl, their quarterback was also interviewed after that game. This is what he had I to mean, say. I mean, my Christian faith plays a role in everything that I do. I mean, I always ask God to, to lead me in the right direction and let me be who I am uh, for his name. So he has a role in everything that I do, and obviously he'll be on the huge stage in the Super Bowl that he's given me, and I want to make sure I'm glorifying him while I do it. Yeah, it's, it's about just playing for your teammates, um, just trying to do whatever you can to win the game for your teammates beside you. And uh, in that moment, God gave me the strength to run and get that first down and get us in the field goal range. And so um, all I've done since then is try to get my ankle better and better, and, and hopefully I'll be able to run whenever I need to in this game. It means everything. Um, I know that I'm blessed to be in this position, and I know that I, I'm here uh, for a reason and to glorify him. And so – um, it means everything, not only to, about my football career, but all the decisions that I make. And so um, to have a faith backing, I know why I'm here. And it's not about winning football games. It's about glorifying him. And I think that gives me the, the – the, I have no pressure when I step on that football field because I know why I'm here. It, it just kind of relieves the pressure uh, of playing the football game because I know that I'm on that, football, on that football field to glorify him before everything. And so it's not about winning and losing. It's about going out there and being the best that I can, best that I can in his name. And so it, I think that – the faith, and I, I feel like I've grown in my faith over these last few years, and I think that's gave me a more sense of what who I am and why why I play the game that I play. I actually got a tattoo a tattoo about a, about Eutychus in Acts twenty verse seven. It's about being half in and half out on on God and the interpretation that I took from it, um, and how you can't be half in and half, and half out. And so that was the Bible verse that kind of stuck with me that kind of told me that I needed to be fully in. Care who you wrote, root for this evening. Like I said, I don't have a dog in that fight. But I know this. If we are put into positions where we have the opportunity to speak on behalf of an incredible God, let us be as faithful as those guys were. God is awesome. And he has done incredible things in my life and in yours too. That's why we all need to work on our memories. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word today. Thank you for the memories that the people of Israel created for themselves by, by erecting the stones in obedience to your word. Thank you, God, for working in their lives and for giving us a great example that we too need to make sure that when you do something in our lives, we don't keep it to ourselves. We need to be faithfully proclaiming to a world that doesn't know you, to kids and grandkids that don't know you. 
how awesome you are and how great is your faithfulness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand together as we sing.